eco-friendly, ones that kept track of things, smart water bottles. I've just never done it. Yeah, dude, I'm fine. I'm. They called me hose water was my middle name in high school. I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off on the road. Let's travel, never looking back. All right, do you want to do a recap on Rob Deerdick? Because I've been getting blown up about about that blown up yeah this is i would say definitely the most the biggest reaction we've had to an episode in a long time maybe ever ever i'd probably say ever the 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 one thing that i got was basically people said this is not just the best podcast you guys have done but this is maybe the best episode i've ever listened to of any podcast and i don't it's definitely wasn't us that made it great but he was pretty amazing (laughs) right he, he was, and I didn't know how it would turn out. I remember literally being amazed in the moment. Like, the things he was saying were very surprising to me and very interesting, and I wanted to know more, and he told he was very open, so that was dope as well. But I, you never know, like, how the episode turns out, and there's all these different factors, you know, from audio quality to, like, do people care what this person has to say? Are they interested in what we're interested in? But people definitely dug it. Yeah, you're right. People were saying, like, my top three podcast episodes this year was Naval on Tim Ferriss, Rob on your guys' pod, and then whatever, some reply all podcast that happened. So it was like not just this is y'all's best, but this is one of the best I've heard. And there was people tweeting like, all right, this is the fourth person that mentioned this to me. I got to go listen to this today. So something definitely happened. I'm curious in the numbers what that's going to show uh, in a couple of days. Good. That trickles They're good. They're I've, good. I've looked at them. He, okay, so Rob Deerdick on the podcast mentioned his schedule. And I was curious about it. And so I actually asked him to email me um, what that looked like. And he sent me a screenshot. I sent it to you, Sean. Can you read yeah. what, it, what, it's, what it is? And um, yeah. basically, like, at first glance, what does it look like when you see his schedule? It's a picture of his Gmail or his, his calendar. <laughs> so it looks like – well, there's a few. There's a few views. But uh, the one I'm looking at, it looks like, I would say, a combination between, like, a P&L – like, uh, you know, a, a business's P&L cash flow statement and or like, you know, just like a research doc put out by uh, Gartner about, you know, the trends of an industry. This doesn't look like one person's, you know, weekly schedule. And if you look at the view of his calendar, every single minute of his day is marked off. Every minute. <laughs> yeah, it's blocked off. Now, some of it is like, you know, it could be like, whatever free time or something like that like family and kids right so it's not saying he's working all the time but every minute is is accounted for every minute has a purpose and uh it says here i track every hour of every day throughout the day and tag each entry i have a script written that pulls and pulls the time and populates into these two spreadsheets one is daily time use and the other is monthly averages so should we do the should we look at his monthly average real quick yeah all right so monthly average will take um We'll take September. Okay, so September, he's got sleep, which was 6.9 hours. Uh, Health, 1.2 hours. Life, which is like kind of like family and things like that, 7.8 hours. And then work, uh, 8.1 hours per day. And it's pretty consistent. Like work never in any month in the whole year. The lowest month was February, 5.8 hours. And the highest month was October, 9.3 hours, right? Uh, Sleep, almost always 6.8 or 6.9 hours per day so this is a pretty uh, meticulous um meticulous thing and by the way in the work category he's got like 
TV shows, right? Here's my TV shows. Here's here's how many hours I'm spending on TV shows. Not uh, watching TV, making TV. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Making TV, making his TV shows, um, and then there's like the Dudek Machine, which is kind of like his business that builds businesses, and then there's other, which is you know random meetings and stuff like that. Um, very cool, very cool. And health, he's got gym, meditation, personal care, other. Uh, for life, he's got you know him and his wife, kids, friends, and social, and then other. Right. So this is this is sick. All right, quick message from our sponsor. We know that growing pains hurt. And when you're a startup sales team, you know that pain all too well. Thankfully, there's the HubSpot for Startups program. It's a special program that gives startups discounts on HubSpot. The platform unites your entire front office from marketing to sales to support. Plus, they have a ton of other resources that startup founders can use to scale. So get ready to close more deals and make growing pains a thing of the past. Visit HubSpot.com slash startups to see how much you can save. Do you think, okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about this just for two seconds. Do you think that this... Does this work for you? Because by the way, my, I'm saying this out loud, but I, I, I'm going to package this. If it's, if he's okay with it, I'm going to package this and post it somewhere. So it's a visual thing, so we should basically like you know on Twitter and newsletter. I'll put it on my newsletter too. But like, we should post this so people can see it. If he's cool with it, we'll, we'll ask him. Yeah. And do you think that do do you roll this way? Because I, you and I joke like the best days are when there's nothing on the calendar. And when people right. cancel stuff and, and that feels like the best day to me, although sometimes I feel lazy and sometimes I feel meaningless, but do you, do you like to operate this way or do you like to operate with a open calendar or what? So I'll tell you some of my, uh, I'll tell you two things. I'll tell you my, my calendar philosophy. Do I want to be scheduled or unscheduled? I want to be the opposite of this. I want to be completely unscheduled. Um, and you know, I don't know why that is the case. It used to be the opposite. So my calendar used to look a lot like his. I used to block out like, I used to just do it at high level, like work block one, lunch, work block two, gym, you know, family time, you know, end of night kind of like hobby, you know, reading, random, random bullshit or whatever. I used to just kind of like schedule out my day like that and try to keep it. Um, and then I would have like in, the, in, a, in a week, I would have one day, like I still have this. I have one day where I do 90 minutes of random meetings, meaning people that are just fine, interesting. I just want to meet with no agenda and just kind of like cool people, meet, meeting cool people. And so I, I do schedule time for randomness. But for the most part, I've gone away from having a highly scheduled day to having an unscheduled day, meaning I don't schedule it in advance. On the day of, I decide what I'm going to do and I decide how I'm going to spend today. But I don't decide that like two weeks in advance. And so when somebody says, can we meet? I have a simple rule. It's like, do I want to meet you? right? If you want to do a call, you want to meet me. Do I want to meet you right now? If so, I'm going to say, would you like to do it right now? If not, I'll say, oh, I can't do right now, but I'll give you a call in an hour or two hours from now. And if I don't want to do it right now, I say, sorry, I don't want to meet. And I don't schedule it for like three weeks from now, which is the what I used to do. I used to say, oh, I don't really want to do this. Okay. Yeah, I'm free two weeks. But then guess what? Two weeks shows up. And then I'm like, shit, I got to do this call. I didn't want to do then. I definitely don't want to do it now. It's expired. Yeah, it keeps me and, up the uh, night before sometimes. Yeah, so I'm, a, I'm much more of an unscheduled person. Um, but the day of, I decide how i'm gonna use today's time yeah it uh his his calendar was amazing to me and i think that it's going to be quite popular when you post that maybe uh maybe um we'll have to divvy up who could post what because we could i, yeah. I both divvy like up the gold yeah um all right <laughs> so, you talk so, about so let me ask you did you ever do this time tracking shit because i also went through like an aggressive time tracking phase and i wanted to share one learning from that um, I wouldn't, I was never aggressive about it. No, I, I, um, I prefer open time and, uh, I prefer working from midnight until like 3am, 
when and that's when I do a lot of my golden stuff. So like if I have to copyright right. what I if I have to do any type of copywriting, I I I'll hang out all day and read and have fun and Sarah's like when are you going to do work? I'm like when you go to bed. And so she'll go to bed and then from midnight to 3, sometimes midnight to 4, I can get I can do golden golden work around right. that around that hour. I- I have a theory about this. So Furkan, who was my technical co-founder of my previous company, he's been on the pod. He was the same way. He would, I would like, he would roll into work at 11, 11.30. He'd start his workday with lunch. And like, you would think this is the laziest guy ever, but actually he was, he's massively hardworking. He was just up till five in the morning on average. Yeah. And so, you know, five in the morning, then he sleeps, you know, six hours, he wakes up at 11 and he comes into work. And, um, and even when he was at work, like we would take like an hour, we just play video games. We would just like, and I was just like, dude, like, wh- why do you use your time this way? And he goes, he goes, I don't know. I just, oh, I just figured this out for myself early on, which is that like the time I act like during the day, it's just like, I'm basically just trying to exhaust myself. Like I want to have conversations. I kind of manage other people. I kind of read shit. I'll talk to people. I'll eat lunch. I'll go work out. I'll do all this stuff. He's like, I'm basically just trying to get myself really like, like I needed my brain to slow down yeah. and I want to get in this almost like half sleepy state, which is not sleepy the way most people think about it. Most people think sleepy means you can't function, but there is a point where you're like kind of tired. You know, you get kind of loopy. Yeah. 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 And it's like, that's when you could do creative work and for him. Programming is creative work. So he's like, dude, from like midnight to 4am, I write the best code. And it's basically like only my hands are moving. I don't want to get up. Nobody bothers me. Nobody talks to me. I don't have to meet anybody. I just, and I just go into flow state and I just work during that time. And that's kind of what you're describing is your midnight to 3 a.m. I have that same thing. And I've, I figured out through Furcon that there's this thing that happens where if you're trying to do creative work, you need to be more relaxed and less kind of like distracted. And also like a little loopy is good because it adds a little bit of like serendipity into your brain. Your brain's willing to play with different ideas and go in different directions maybe. And so for copywriting – you kind of want something like that. Also, I believe 23andMe has a like a line item on one of their attributes, uh, and it talks about are you a night owl or an early or an early person. And I right. so I think that a lot of this stuff of when you're going to get your creative work done, genetic. I actually think it's genetic. And whatever it is, you should just go all in on it. For example, I mean the world's set up for early risers. You know, if you if you get up at five a.m. and get stuff done, like Rob did, or like you win, you win. Yeah. Like it's it's the world's set up. So you actually, if you're a night person like I am or you am, you kind of got to go against the grain, which sucks. But uh, here's a good example: the founder of Box, the CEO of Box, what's his name? Ben Levy. Aaron Levy. Sorry, Ben, that's ben Levy. Ben Levy's my guy. Yeah, <laughs> Aaron Levy. Aaron Levy, uh, close to a billionaire, maybe hundreds of millions of a millionaire, uh, founder of a multi-billion-dollar company. I was friends with his assistant, and she would tell me that he has no meetings until 11 a.m., and that's typically when he starts at the office because he works until 5 a.m. And by the way, Bezos is the opposite. Bezos is like, um, I want all my meetings from 8 a.m. to noon, all, all important decisions I need to make by then because my brain is functioning the best. And then after that, I don't want to have any important meetings in the day. I'll have other meetings, but no dis- no key decisions, no heavy topics with important like stuff to digest. I want to do other work during that time. And so, and like, you know, Rob Deerdeck on his calendar here, it's 4.30 a.m. wake up, wake up call pretty much every single day. One, one day he sleeps until 5 a.m. Uh, you know, so he's a little bit different cat. I think it's, you know, what works for you. And, uh, and then you want to play to that. Like I spent many years trying to be like, oh, I want to wake up at 5 a.m. so I can be more productive. And it's just like, Waking up three hours earlier was way harder for me than just staying up three hours later. And so it's like, why am I fighting what's easy for me, what feels like play to me, 
versus what feels like an absolute grind to me and it's sort of unsustainable it's all willpower based and yeah. so you know i made that shift but i'll give you one thing that's that is worth doing so i tried to like track every hour to see how i'm using it because i kind of want you know time is your most precious asset so i wanted to see how it, it gets spent that was a little bit exhausting hopefully someday there's gonna be tools that just make this easy so it's like it just happens passively but one thing that is amazing is a calendar audit. I don't know if you've ever done one of these. It's a calendar audit, or some people call it an energy audit. It basically means you take, for one week, you sort of keep track of like roughly how you used each hour. And, um, and then what you do is the next week, you just go back, you just pull up last week's calendar, and you take three colored markers. You take a green marker, a red marker, and a yellow marker. And you go back through your week, how you spent your time, and you say, what, which block, which thing I did gave me energy? I marked those green which felt like it sucked all the energy out of me. I was drained afterwards and I felt like my soul had been sucked out of me. Let me mark those red and then the neutral things let me mark yellow. And you look at the painting, you know, you look at your color and you're like, wow, that's a lot of red or hey, that's actually pretty good. That's a lot of green. And then you just audit. And so you're, all you're doing is just trimming the fat and you just say, all right, cool. This week I'm going to do less of the red stuff. I'm going to do less by just literally avoiding it by automating it or delegating it. And you just make a decision, you just improve it by one week. And you just do that every so often. And if you do that, it's an amazing way to manage not your calendar as in like maximizing efficiency, but maximizing your energy so that you feel good and you are, um, when you feel your best, you're gonna you know, perform your best and work I think, your best and I be think the Bezo, best version of you. Bezos said the stuff that you should eliminate is you, you, you can answer that by uh, asking, will this, uh, work just fine if I don't make this decision or if I, if I don't if I don't attend right. this or do this will, will life be okay if yes then uh, eliminate it right um, all right everyone a quick break because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing I've got a new project it's called money wise it's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth when I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called Money Wise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called Money Wise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio, I'm The Sam Parr, or you can just type in MoneyWise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What? you should put in a job description to get the perfect hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the, the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. Do you want to talk about some right, ideas? Let's do, yeah, let's do some other stuff. Which, uh, where do you want to go? Well, I've got a lot like and you've you got, got a lot. You, you, yeah, we both got a lot. So we have, an, we have a couple episodes worth of stuff here. Give me one off yours that you're really into. Okay. Um, have you heard of Brewmate? 
No, and I'm not a coffee drinker. Is it a coffee drinking thing? It doesn't have to be. So, okay. So, Brewmate, it's spelled B-R-U-M-A-T-E. Their first thing was like a koozie, basically. Their first product was a, was a koozie. Something that interested me about this, and now they make tumblers. So, basically, what's a tumbler? Like a, just a coffee drink? Thermos. A, like yeah. a thermos thing. They make a, a koozie. They make a water bottle. They just make cups for cold stuff and hot stuff. And... Uh, the reason why this interested me is Trends, my company Trends, Trends.co, we did a story on Brewmate and they interviewed the founder and they did a good job. And I think Julia wrote it and they got a picture of the revenue. So check this out. Jacob, who's the founder, Jacob grew Brewmate to 20 million in revenue without a single employee. And so th- this company launched in 2016. Their revenue was basically... Uh, uh, 2016, nothing. 2017, it looks uh, single digit, hundreds of thousands, maybe close to a million. 2018, uh, getting close to 20 million in revenue. 2019, over 25 million in revenue. 2020, 100 million in revenue. And he did most everything with agencies and contractors and not a single full-time employee until after 20 million in revenue. And it got me thinking, one, that's amazing. That's like the greatest thing ever, if you ask me. I think that's like the, the, the ideal business. And number two... These water bottle and cup businesses, this is something that like if you told me you're going to start that, I'm be like, dude, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. What are you doing? I There are so many example, examples of some of these things that are huge. For example, there's a business called Swell. Do you know Swell Water Bottles? No. I, by the way, I'm I, I, since college, I've been the type of person that just never uses water bottles. Me neither. I'm like but a I buy them. child. I go to water fountains and I just like put my mouth on the fucking thing and I drink from a water fountain. That's what I do. And everybody else had these like amazing, elaborate water bottles, always eco-friendly, ones that kept track of things, smart water bottles. I've just never done it. Yeah, dude, I'm fine. I'm. They called me hose water was my middle name in high school. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't. I wish I had made that up as a dig on you, calling you hose water, but that's so perfect. I thought I was going low bar. Like my low class thing was a water fountain, and you like showed me what. what yeah, you're all like about. if there was like a new Coke product that was hose water flavor, like from Missouri, I'd be drinking that shit because that's what I grew up on. So I'm not like. By the way, by the way, can, can, can we share this? We uh, so, so the interview we did with Brian Halligan, the CEO of HubSpot. They're playing it at, at Inbound, which is the huge marketing conference. I think that's the ad for these podcasts or something is Inbound. Go to Inbound. Great. So uh, they're playing the, the the recording there as an interview. <laughs> and so for weeks, uh, for weeks, our guy has been, our you know, producer of the pod, uh, uh, the old producer of the pod was badgering us like, hey, guys, they need this intake form. And like, you know, I'm just like allergic to words like that. So I'm you know, what's that Jeff Bezos thing? Can What happens if I don't do this? That was my, my take, and it was yours too. Um, it was like, hey, guys, I need you to fill this out. I need you to sign this waiver saying you're okay with the content being on there. I'm like, dude, I'm okay with it. Like, obviously, it's a public free podcast. So you can just use it wherever you want. Um, and they're like, no, 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 you got to sign this thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to download a PDF and figure out how to sign this. So weeks go by. Me and Sam both do nothing. At one point... <laughs> he goes, hey, Sam, uh, that intake form, you know, they're really asking me for it. <laughs> and then Sam goes, oh, you could tell him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and he's just joking. But we, we basically, we didn't do it, right? And so another week goes by. He goes, all right, guys, I really need this intake form. So we, we're like, fine. All right, we signed the thing. And he's like, oh, I also need a bio for you. Um, and it's like, what's your, what's your job title? What's your bio? It's like, I don't know, dude. I host a podcast and I like build random businesses that like, 
it's not, I don't have like a job title and I don't have like a bio for you. And so I just wrote <laughs> future owner of the LA Lakers. And then uh, <laughs> Sam wrote it, future owner of a lake. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. I think that's the difference between us. <laughs> it embodied the difference between us so perfectly. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. All right, back back to back to the regularly scheduled um, program. You can cut you can cut that part out if you're going to get fired for that thing. No, you can keep that. Uh, keep it. We don't delete right, anything. Roommate. So we um, this is stupid. It's not stupid. Yeah, and so there's this thing called Swell. Look up Swell. Look up Swell. It, it's a water bottle. I'm not a water bottle guy either. It looks like the dumbest thing ever. I mean, it's not dumb. It just looks like the n- most normal thing ever. Then there's Corksicle, which is basically a cork water bottle over 80 million in revenue. And then there's one called BKR. I actually don't know how to say that. Beaker? But, but eh, I don't know. They, then they sell a water bottle for $185. It's glass. Right. And, and this one's actually cool because I hate metal water bottles and I hate plastic. It's glass, but it has like plastic or uh, like rubber around it so you don't shatter it. Anyway, um, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, crazy. Uh, and did he say how he scaled? Because this is one of the most aggressive scaling business I've ever heard of. So to go from basically sub 1 million to 18 million in one year, and then to go from like, I don't know, it looks like maybe 30 million to 100 million, you know, these are huge jumps. Um, Facebook ads. You know, these are huge. And jumps. so basically, yeah. he said that. So he didn't spend a, a dime. So, or sorry, he didn't build anything. So he created a landing page and then he drove Facebook ads to it. Uh, and he got a, a pre-launch email list of 6,000 people. And then he sent those folks an email to buy it and they bought it. And he used that money to go and build the product. It's classic. Wow. Yeah. Classic uh, way. Yeah, so kind amazing. of interesting. Um, and so that, that's that an idea, but I just wanted to bring that up. No, that's cool. I like that one. Um, yeah, do we have anything to riff off that or just like, you know, props to this guy? No, props to that guy, but uh, that's it. And it looks like he used a bunch of like, um, like working capital is always very hard for e-commerce businesses. And so it looks like, you know, he couldn't get a line of credit early, so he did pre-sales. And then, okay, he did pre-sales. Then he, through the pre-sales, now he got an expensive line of credit. So, um, you know, he got, he got an SBA loan. He got Shopify Capital, PayPal Working Capital, Amazon Lending. He would use one to pay the next, and that just like let him roll over one from one line of credit to the next Dude, one. Dude, in and a way, then after doing an audit, he got a two million dollar line of credit, and now raised twenty million dollars. So in, in a way, I think that these people are so audacious, and here's why: if you told me if this guy, I, I don't know what his name is, uh, if you told me that you're going to launch a water bottle, I'd be like, Jacob, you're an idiot. This is the stupidest thing ever. And you know who else I would have said that to? Movement watches. So this guy also named Jacob, Jake Kassan, spoke at HustleCon. This was like pre-D2C even being a word. Okay, so Jacob Kassan, he launched his company called Movement, or Kassan, sorry, launched his company called Movement. They were shitty watches from China. Uh, They ordered a bunch, and they start selling them on movement.com or whatever. Then they kind of make them a little bit better, but they're still like not the most high-quality watches. And his company, he sold that thing for $200 million. And again, if you would have showed me this watch, I'd be like, you are crazy. No one's going to buy this. This is just ridiculous. And I've talked to him and he's like, well, why not? Like people buy watches. Why won't they buy mine? I think that confidence is awesome. And I love it. I don't know if I have it, but I love it. Yeah, it takes, it definitely takes guts. And I think, you know, one thing I've learned is that these spaces, uh, so there's like, there's, there's the niche spaces, which we love. And then there's also the everybody everyday problems. And that's what like keeping beverages hot and cold is. 
And I think you want to go on one end of the spectrum or the other. You need to go hyper niche where it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, for a specific type of toe fungus, this is the, uh, this is the best cream. And I'm just going to target that. And on the other side, you go everybody, everyday problems. And I'm just going to try to sell this thing because my ads will apply to everybody. And so there's basically like, um, you know, like I've been looking at a different water brands. So what's the one in Austin? So there's like LaCroix or whatever is like kind of like a larger Topo one. Chico, a baby. San Francisco like it. Well, Tumbo Chico has been around for a while. What's the one that's like the startup that Lance Armstrong invested in? That's yeah. you guys in Austin. Like, uh, let me look it up. I know what you're talking about. Water or something like Waterloo. No. Waterloo is that it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think it's Waterloo. Okay, so there's Waterloo. They got huge. They're like, oh yeah, we're at 50 million in sales. There's a brand called Ugly Water. Founder sent me a case of that. Thank you for that. Uh, Ugly Water again, cool sparkling water, crushing it, doing millions and millions of dollars in sales. And I'm like, dude, how many more of these can there liquid be? Liquid death. We had liquid death on Liqu- probably a hundred million in sales. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, b- you know, just bottled water again, like, you know, canned water, sparkling water. Uh, like my trainer was talking to me yesterday and he's like, bro, let's start a coconut water brand. I was like, yeah, we should, because you know what? Like, uh, coconut water is a massive market and like, you could just go in and do more. He's from Hawaii. So he's like, bro, like I grew up on this stuff. We can, we can brand it right. We can get it out there. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me find an operator. So if somebody wants to start a coconut water brand with me, just email me, Sean at SeanPeru.com, because I want to start one. And by start one, I mean I want you to do most of the work, and I'll do uh, virtually nothing. Can, um, so so let's, let's do that split. Can you, can you talk about this guy, uh, Khan, the NFL owner? Yes. Oh, by the way, can I do two quick updates? Yeah. One, um, uh, there's a guy you, – you know you talked about like just buying a giant ranch, buying giant farmland or whatever? There's a guy who hit me up who's very credible who's like, I'll do this for you guys. Like I will go find it. I'll, I'll find the right thing. I'll acquire it. I'll get the permits. I'll build it out. Um, and like you know, let's just partner on it. And so uh, I, I love this podcast because it basically matches – Dude, well, you get all ideas. like. Why is it the ugly water guy setting? Why is it ugly water guy setting me water? Why is it ranch guy setting? Uh, I asked ranch him thing, for it. I asked that's what I was it. into. <laughs> yeah, you're into it. I think my email's easier to find. I don't know, and people people just guess my email easier. Like I, I often. Dude, my email's email like, the same as yours. Sam at sampar.com. It's literally the exact all right, same thing. Let me thing. tell you this. Let me tell you this. Um, so a YouTuber reached out. So shout out to Rebecca, who's a. Uh, a YouTuber who, who reached out. She's got 10 million YouTube subscribers. Amazing. She's a big star. Channel's awesome. And um, she, she's a fan of the pod. And she had emailed, reached out and said, hey, I listened to the pod. Our, her, I think her husband reached out or her brother or business manager. Somebody reached out and said, hey, it's her birthday tomorrow. She'd love to like meet you guys as like a birthday present. No, she didn't and, say you guys. Okay, she said whatever. She said, but she put both of our email. They had both of our emails on there. But for you, what? they had like holler at the hustle.com which i don't know if that's a real email or not i went back and looked and it's holler maybe it's even spelled wrong i don't know is holler your email address no that's not my email address maybe (laughs) that's why i didn't get it fuck i I don't know i don't even know what that is (laughs) i i can tell by the the word holler at the hustle i guarantee you made that up one day yeah years ago that that was supposed to be our our help email (laughs) yeah exactly i guarantee that like just holler at me like we'll fix it just holler at me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. All right. Anyways, um, what was I going to tell you? The other one, the other update is um, this guy sent me a screenshot. He's like $10,000. He goes, thank you for that idea. I don't know if you remember, we had done an idea either here or on Twitter about uh, moving bins. So this is a very simple idea, which is like when you move, you need these like packing bins, just like these plastic heavy duty bins. So you don't have to do boxes. So you just pack all your stuff. You move to your other place. You unpack, you unpack it. You just return the bins. So you just rent these bins for the day while you move. 
and I had like done done the numbers. I was like, this thing is kind of great. It's like, okay, maybe you can't buy a property and rent it out, but you can buy 50 of these bins and rent them out and you can make good money. And so he emailed, he's like, Hey, it's been a long sweat. Like, I'm not saying it was easy, but you know, I'm at $10,000 made from these bins and uh, you know, thanks for the idea. I just really appreciate that. That's, you know, uh, it's kind of been a great side income for me in my city. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Like that's, that's the best feeling of this whole podcast is basically if we throw the ideas out there and then people actually run with them and make something happen out of it. So l- let me tell you something about that. First of all, that's amazing. So have you ever been to the grocery store and seen one of those carpet cleaners? Carpet cleaners? Like a, what do you mean? It, like, a, like a vacuum or something else? Yeah. So it looks like a vacuum, but it's, it's meant for, um, it looks like, like a vacuum. No, it's like you push it. You've never seen one of these. So like people. Oh, like these. The, the heavy duty carpet cleaning, like, like more like a deep clean. Yes. And people rent those for like $200 a day. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I know. Like It's kind of like the equivalent of power washing or something like that before your carpet. Yes. Okay. So I was thinking, I, I was like looking at this and they, a lot of them have a meter on there and they, and that's like the hours, uh, the hours that uh, it can go for. Have been logged. Have been logged. So like they, it's not like a dirt bike or like a boat where it's like, instead of saying how many miles does it have on, it's how many hours. Right. And so a lot of these things, a lot of these carpet cleaners, they can last for something like, um, five years. So let's, I, I, I don't know if this is exa- Make up a number. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. So I don't know if this is exactly how it would work, but let's say 365 or fi- there's 52 weeks in a year, 52 times, uh, 40. Let's see. I'm just doing it really quick to 60. So You're okay. not doing public math. Are you? No, I'm doing it on my computer. Okay. Know, so we, we, don't do we don't do public math. So a lot of these things will last like 10 to 15,000 hours and they rent out for like $200 a day, which comes out to be like, you know, $20 an hour. I think buying and renting carpet cleaners is one of the greatest like banks for your money. When I went, I went to the grocery store and I just looked. I was like, "How much does this cost?" And I looked at how much they cost to buy. They cost like eight hundred dollars to buy. So right. this thing at the grocery store that I keep seeing all, I would see it all the time. And then I, I once I saw those, I would say to the people, "I'm like, how often do those rent for? Uh, do people rent them a lot?" And they're like, "Yeah, all the time. They're always being rented out." It's like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. When I was like doing the math, I'm like, "This is brilliant." The carpet this goes cleaners. back to our teenage side hustle. Like if you're a teenager, or you have a teenager, just get one of these and then teach your teenager how to make like kind of like Yelp. one page sales letters and yeah. Yelp ads and basically just drop the sales letters in, uh, you know, under everyone's door uh, every month. So you got to print out a hundred of these, put them in your neighborhood and just say, hey, hey, y'all, I live over here at 37 Terrace Wood Way and uh, I bought this cleaner. It's amazing. Here's the before and after of my carpet. But you know, I'm not going to use this. You know, I only needed to use it once and it made such a big difference, but I still got the thing. If you want it, I'll rent it out to you for 40 bucks. Just text yeah. me here. I'll bring it to your house if you want your carpet clean. And if you want me to do it for you, I'll do it for 150. And, uh, and, and you know, just do that. And like, that's a, such a good teenage side hustle uh, because, you know, you'll learn sales, you'll learn marketing, you'll learn a little bit of like unit economics. It's just a little way to get kind of make your first dollar. I think making your first dollar is massively underrated. Like, I didn't make my first dollar, my first hustle dollar where like, not like a job where I was you know, sitting at a cash register all day, but like me creating a product and selling it to somebody. I didn't do that till I was like 19. I, I'm sure you did it earlier because I think you were flipping stuff on eBay or something. You, I think you were more of a hustler early on than me. Well, but yeah, but e- eBay, eBay doesn't feel like the first dollar though. Uh, maybe it does. Well, it's kind of like you had the scheme. It's not a job, basically. Like yeah. you're kind of like first dollar out of business. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and, and, I would in call high that school. A business. 
But by the way, yeah, 19 so like, is very young, dude. Uh, actually, maybe it was maybe it was later. I, guess I thought you were going to say like 30. It was, it was 21 or 22. It was right, when, right after I graduated. And um, so it's probably 22, actually. And so, like, you know, I wish that that 22 was 12. I think that it's like learning languages or, you know, like working out. Like, the earlier you learn these core skills, the better. And so, uh, you know, if, you, if you're sitting there and you, even if you're 29 right now, 39, whatever it is, and you're at a job and you've just never done this, I really encourage you to go make your first dollar as a side hustle, as a business, uh, make a product or find a product and sell it. And, um, you know, it, it's, it'll, it's surprising how it'll kind of like change the way you look at things. Yeah, I agree. I, that's what I told Sarah when she was doing her course. I'm like, if you just get, make $1 and it's going to change your life. Um, can you tell me about this con guy? I love this guy. Okay, yeah. All right, this is the Billy of the Week. And by the way, uh, by the way, we should have Ben pop on. Ben, Ben, come on here real quick. We got a new producer, and one of the things I'm going to ask him to do is for our little segments, make sure we do our segments like Billy of the Week. People love that segment. We should do it. And two, uh, we got to have like a little sound, a little jingle, a little something whenever we go to this segment, I think. And Ben, Ben's the host of the How to Take for the World podcast. If you're not subscribed to that, do it. He did this, those Edison episodes that we released about Thomas Edison. He has and he's almost also the producer uh, of our show now. He has almost a hundred thousand listens a month. Woo! All right, Ben. Okay, big dog. I'm surprised you're even still here with that big number. <laughs> uh, not not for long, Sean. If you keep pumping me up like this, then you're not gonna. Your have head's not even but, gonna uh, fit in the, I agree. the, the, we'll the get Zoom to- window. Um, we'll, we'll try out a sound. We'll, we'll play something on this episode, a little like Billy of the Week jingle and see how people feel about it. All right, sounds good. And you got to replace Abreu at the end when we used to ask Abreu how we did and he gave us the, the straight talk of what was good. Right. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. Anyways, back to the Billy of the Week. So this guy, his name is Shahid Khan. He's from Pakistan, and he his story's kind of insane. So here's the guy who moved to America at age 16. First job is a dishwasher for, I think, $1.60 an hour. And, um, you know, so he starts making $1.60 an hour, and today he's worth $9 billion personally. And uh, how the heck did he do that? So do you know this guy's story? Um, a little bit. I know him because he's incredibly recognizable. He's like he's kind of beautiful. Like if he 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 looks he looks like a badass. He looks like a badass. Like a peacock. Well, he looks like someone who's I both respect and fear because they seem formidable, and also they look like they like to party. Yeah, he's got a fucking sick mustache. Basically, that's his like iconic thing. He's got one of the mustaches that's like almost like twirled at the ends. It's amazing. So he yeah. looks really special is the way I would describe him in a good way. Um, okay, so what is his story? So he, he starts off dishwasher. He's, like, sleeping at the YMCA. Um, and, like, you know, now that he's super rich, he, like, donates millions of dollars to the YMCA because he's like, dude, I used to sleep in here. I used to hide in the YMCA and sleep because it was so cold outside. And I didn't I couldn't afford, like, you know, where I was supposed to live. And so he, um, so he got rich by – he made his millions by – or his billions, really – by building custom bumpers for cars. So car bumpers, truck bumpers, car bumpers, that sort of thing. So here's like how it all works. So he, he graduates as an engineering student and he gets a job at this company that does manufacturing for, uh, for, bumper, for car bumpers. And he kind of like works his way up first few years. I think he's there for maybe five, seven years, something like that. He's eventually he's like kind of like leading the engineering operations. 
And he's sort of like, man, this is so inefficient the way we do this. We get all these different parts and we try to like jam them together to make this car bumper. And it's really heavy. It's really clunky. It's kind of ugly. And um, and I think the company was called Flexingate or later it was called Flexingate. But uh, he's, he's working at this company. And then he along the way, he's sort of like he's trying to convince the company like, hey, we should change the design. But they're not really listening to him. So he's like, all right, screw it. I'm going to spin out my own company and I'm going to design my own bumpers. And so he quits. He takes, uh, he, I think he has $16,000 in personal savings. He takes like a $50,000 SBA loan and he goes and he creates his own uh, bumper company, right? And so he he starts uh, trying to go get clients, uh, trying to go get customers and he's getting you know some small customers. And along the way, as he's making progress, he gets sued by his previous employer. They're like, hey, you stole trade secrets and uh, you're comp- your competition now, so like, screw you, we're gonna, we're gonna sue you. And he's like, shit, like, um, they're way bigger than me. I can't afford, you know, I can't afford a lawyer, basically. So I'm like, how am I gonna fight this in court? And I know their strategy, their strategy is gonna be like, they just, um, they just bleed me out, right? Like, they're bigger than me, this is gonna cost both of us money, but they're, they have deeper pockets. So he comes up with a strategy where he hires the cheapest lawyer he could find, just to sort of like stall the case. And then like, so it's costing him almost nothing to continue. And it's costing them a lot of money. They're losing a lot of money on this lawsuit. And then he starts studying every night. Like after the business operations are done, he goes to the library and he starts studying law so that he can defend himself in court. Um, because he hires this kind of like Saul Goodman, you know, type of character and just, you know, wants to defend himself. So he starts educating himself. And, um, so he ends up winning the case, and along the way, that company Flexingate was losing like fifty thousand dollars a month, and so they were the business wasn't very healthy. So by the end, he wins the case, and he just ends up it takes the money, and he has the money from his business, and he buys out Flexingate. So he buys out the company that was suing him as like a kind of like a fuck you plus a consolidation of like how much did he pay base. for it? Do you know? I don't know the exact number that he ended up uh, buying them for, but you know, sort of like baller move. Uh, going back there and he had designed this bumper that was like a slick kind of like one continuous piece so it wasn't a bunch of pieces put together and it was way more lightweight and so all of a sudden the car companies were like oh this is great we want to have a lighter weight thing it's better for fuel efficiency it's easier for manufacturing it's cheaper fantastic so they start going to him and so he starts getting like these contracts and there's like all these little sub stories in here that like i don't want to dive too far into but like he wants to get the like suzuki contract and so he like hires a bunch of people who know to speak Japanese. He starts learning all about the culture. He like goes there because he's like, I have to go further than anyone else is going to go to win this deal because I'm a no-name brand. But I have a great product. And if I can make wow. these guys trust me and believe in me, this will work. So he lands Suzuki. Shortly after that, he gets the big Toyota contract. Now, like as of today, I think he's basically making like every automaker's bumpers. Like I think, you know, there's like 20 million plus cars that are, have his bumpers, something ridiculous, some ridiculous number like, 30% of all cars use his bumpers. And so, you know, the company um, does billions and billions of dollars. His personal net worth has ballooned to where he uh, he owns $9 billion, or he's worth $9 billion, I believe, as his personal net worth. And then he's done a bunch of other things. So he bought the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he wanted to own an NFL team. And he tries to buy the Denver Broncos. But at the last minute, the guy who was the minority owner had a right of first refusal and like exercised it and bought the Broncos out from under him, Stan Kroenke. And so he's like, ah, shit. But he became friends with the guys who own the, the people who own the, ja- the Jaguars. He buys the Jaguars and he starts doing some pretty interesting things. So the Jaguars are kind of like 
one of the bottom of the barrel teams yeah, the, in the NFL. And they're, and they they're still win. not great, right? They're not great. They've never they, they've had like very small windows of time where the team was good, but it's never like a high profile franchise really. It's like one of the small markets. And so he's like, okay, how do I play the game to like how do I use this to my advantage? So he's like, all right. Ticket sales are low, and he starts to dig into why. It's like, ah, oh, it's just so expensive to come to a game. The average fan is priced out. So he does something, like, pretty radical. Like, he um, he, uh, he he made it where any fan can bring their own food to the games, which is, like, the opposite of what every other stadium tries to do, where they're like, ah, oh, you know, low ticket, but then we'll charge you, like, $30 for a hot dog. Yeah. He was like, bring your own food. And what ends up happening is ticket sales go up, and I think food revenue went up when they got to the, to the stadium. Like, you know, some counterintuitive result like that. And, um, you know, he started doing a bunch of other things. Like he uh, he put a fantasy football tracker in the stadium on the scoreboard. He's like, oh, fans, you know, they're not just here to watch the game. They're here for entertainment. And part of their entertainment is their fantasy team. So he, like, would show your points while you're while you're there. And people got a kick out of that. And he, like, pimped out the locker room for the players. He's like, I want to have, like, the best locker room. Very similar things to what Mark Cuban did with the, with the uh, Dallas Mavs, by the way. So similar sort of playbook. He now owns AWE, which is, like, a head-to-head competitor with WWE, like Vince McMahon's thing. So it's like a wrestling wrestling thing. He's got this crazy yacht called Kismet, which is like a, I don't know, it's like a, I don't know how much this yacht costs, but to rent it costs $1.2 million per week, and that excludes food, fuel, and dockage costs. And so like, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z rent, rented this thing out for their Italy vacation. Uh, I think it's like a $200 million yacht that he rents out for a million dollars a week. Dude, that's nuts. What do you? Uh, what's your biggest takeaway from him? Um, I just love this sort of like. I mean, this rags to riches story is kind of like amazing, and I think it's uh, it's inspiring. And so I, I think there's a lot of people who who could do this. You're in a company, you see things done inefficiently, and if you had the guts, you would basically be able to spin out and like you know your own competitor inside and out because you were there as a leader, and so you know where their weaknesses are, you know what the customer needs are, and you know if you can start to chip away. Like you can make a lot more than you would ever make climbing the corporate ladder there. And then I loved some of the like atypical bets that he was making or moves that he was making. Like going into wrestling, I think is super interesting. Most people don't think about that or go there's there. no way that will work. By the way, there's no way. Dude, well, that... I think it's already made made quite quite a bit because he bought he he bought this. <clears throat> I think he bought the thing for dirt cheap. And there's just like there's always a perpetual number two to WWE. So he doesn't need to become WWE, right? Like yes, there is a long shot bull case where you know he ends up overtaking it but there's always been a d- number two like wcw back in the day or like you know the local uh yeah. the local shows and whatnot and so i think that there's a lot of money in even being the, the like a really strong credible number two and i think wwe ends up buying all their competition and so he might end up flipping it to them someday um but it takes like some deep pockets so it might fail like you know that's okay, though. I, I, I think, but it's, I like these types of bets. It's inspiring to me, like a guy like this. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I'm reading the. There's an awesome article about him in the New York Times. It's an old one. It's about from 2011, and basically it says Jaguars buyer had his eyes on had his eyes on owner ownership franchise, and the dream has come true. And he talks about like how it's been his dream to do that, and the whole like immigrant. Uh, you know, like this was like the, the, to me, this is an American thing is to own a team. And I think that's really great. So anyway, I think it's cool. I think it's a lot of like racism stuff too. Oh, by the way, I, I was reading about that. Like in Jacksonville, there's a bunch of ticket holders who canceled it because they, an American didn't own the team now. And he's like, dude, like we are Americans, but, uh, you know, so I think he's even, even, even still, you know, still fighting certain, certain battles. Yeah, I did. Of course. Um, and I dig this, this is a good one. I feel like every Billy of the week that we've ever done is like 
basically an immigrant. There's definitely a recurring theme here. Um, <laughs> we got to do an American Billy, a born and bred American Billy of the Week. No, I like the immigrant stories. I prefer those. Um, let me tell you about a cool app that I found. Um, well, it's a web app, so a website. It's called Fuck You Pay Me. And so the, UR, the URL is fypm.vip. It's kind of confusing, but I just sent it to you. And it's in the doc actually as well. And I just sent it on yeah. uh, Riverside. And so fuck you, pay me. So basically what it is, it's the it's kind of Glassdoor slash Yelp for influencers. And so if you are an influencer, you can log on and you can see which brands are easy to work with and how much they pay and people want to work with them again. And I think this is interesting for a couple of reasons. The biggest one is, well, like this is cool. But the second reason why I like this is because these types of businesses, I actually think are incredibly easy to set up. And if you could start getting reviews and if you could start getting people to use it, very valuable. So basically this website, it, I don't know what it's built with, but I bet you that there's some just like, it's probably a WordPress, uh, like a login or something like that. Like very, very, very simple yeah. <laughs> stuff. You could you could build this in like two or three days. And there's another good example of this. And that that's called um, uh, vcguide.co. So we're talking about influencers and venture capitalists because that's in our world. But have you ever been to vcguide.co? Oh, yeah, I've been to it, yeah. Okay, so it's it's a, the most basic looking website you've ever seen. And it's just a list of names and people vote on and or leave reviews on different venture capitalists. But I, anyway, I think that this is a really, really cool business. And I love this idea. There's another one that I was looking at called Niche, niche.com, which is not small. But they like it's the same type of thing, but just they do it for schools. And so I think that there's a lot of really cool businesses that could be built with this model. Another one that I think could exist and similar to influencers is like basically all the publishers out there like bustle um who else i don't i mean whatever just all they, they pay freelancers by the article or by the word and i think that you could if you wanted to you could do a price per article for publishers you could do how much anyone pays for anything basically in terms of freelance work and so anyway i think this is a cool business it's called fuck you pay me i think it's awesome yeah i think this is cool as like a i think it was started by a couple of influencers right yeah but i don't i don't remember their name yeah, so I think it's a good, um, like, solve, scratching their own itch, right? Like, at some point, they get tired of working with clients that don't pay up on time or, or try to renege on the deal. And they say, look, if we band together, we could do this. And they already have a network of other friends who do this. They have trust. They know the problem. So I think that's a great uh, niche, business, niche uh, business to start. And if you're in a world, like in an industry, the, I think these are actually easier to build. Like, for example, if you are in the automotive world, automotive manufacturing – and you have 50 friends who work in that business, you could pretty like easily kind of get this going and it becomes addicting. I, I remember I'm not on VC guy. Thank God but I'm not a VC, but I do invest, but like, let's see, are you on it, Sean? Like you start no, checking your it. name all the time. Yeah, exactly. You want to know what are people saying about me? Yeah. You check it all the time. And so anyway, I think like they're, I think these are really interesting and uh, this is kind of a cool one. I have a super quick idea. I'll just do that's related to this. I saw this company. I should give them a, a shout out. I think it's called Pump. Um, and what they're doing is actually pretty cool. It's, um, you know, like investor. So you wrote great investor updates. I used to be on your, I wasn't an investor in the hustle, but you used to send me the updates. Uh, I don't know why. It just it was cool. Like I could see it. Um, and you wrote really great investor updates. Like it was clear. It was like just the right mix of like the info you need, not too much and not too little. And you had like a clear ask if you needed something. Dude, so I see a lot. I see a lot of companies using that same template. I don't know if I stole that 
if I took that from someone or if, like you, like Kevin Lee from uh, the ramen company, his updates yeah. look exactly the same. I don't know what it is, but that that style I feel like is everywhere now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where you got it from, but it's great. I wish more of the founders I invest in would do it because mine don't do that that style update. They're all, they're either like ultra detailed, it's like we hired this engineer and this person and they used to work here. It's like, all right, I, I really just okay. I'm glad you did that, but like, what does that matter to me? Like, it's too in the weeds for where I'm yeah. at to help your business. And then they'll leave out like, here's how many customers we have, and here's how much money's in the bank. Here's much. Here's what we need. Here's what our goals are. Like, they'll leave that out, but they'll go into like ultra detail about other stuff. So um, anyways, the, the, I think in general, investor updates take a lot of time. They're really healthy practice, but they're sort of like writing books right now. It's like you do this thing once a month or every couple months um, and you write it, take some time to read, take some time to, to, to write. And I saw this company pump that was basically just saying, take your cap table and it lets you do like Twitter sized updates about your company. So you can just like post a photo of something cool that's going on or a chart. What's and the URL? Like, uh, I don't know the URL. I think the brand, I think the app or the company's called Pump. I think it's, pre, it might not even be public. I might have to bleep it out. Um, but I was looking at it as a potential investment because uh, I really like this idea. I think that uh, updates that are more frequent will actually be more transparent, will actually be more useful. It'll be more easy to read, be easier to write. It'll get more interaction between the investors and the founder because I can just hit the like button or I can just write a quick reply like, looks awesome or have you talked to this person? They're doing something oh, cool. I see or, Check out this. And um, I think this is actually a way better way to do investor updates. It's basically like a private Twitter feed for just you and your investors. And um, oh, that wow. expectation called... of a bite-sized bit of content is great. And it's on the uh, Play Play Store. I don't even know what, what, what the fuck is the Play Store. Is that like... Uh... That's Google. <laughs> you don't know Android? I don't... Dude, I don't fucking use... <laughs> no, I don't know anything about that. Uh, I'm looking That's at insane. it now. You, you... This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Dude, you, I've <laughs> never been on the Play Store in my life. I didn't even Dude, know what you that was. To be this like blue collar everyday Sam, and it's like, what is Android? <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I don't know one person that uses Android. Do you? <laughs> of course. Like developers use it. Fuck, no, I, I don't. I'm out of the. It. Dude, Android's great. It has a great camera. The Pixel's got an amazing camera. It's amazing. Dude, I don't know one person like closely. I just thought everyone uses an iPhone. Except um, if you have Android and you're in my group chat. You're out of my group chat, bro. Like you're killing the group chat with your inability to like send pictures and and all that. It's, it's horrible. But I'm looking at Pump. It's also in the App Store. I actually think this is cool. There was this other company that people were 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 saying was going to be really cool. I, I forget the name of it. You might remember it though. And it was like how to collaborate with your investors better. What was that called? It started with a C. Cabal. I think that's the one. C-A-B-A-L. I saw Cabal. It seemed okay. This seems way way interesting. I think this is better. That Cabal has a bunch of like cool people using it. And invested in it, so it might have like the, the important people doing that. But uh, how did you but, find yeah, this? I like, I like this product better. Uh, how Zach, did you find this? Scout found this, dude. I have a lot of help. Zach found this one. Uh, for uh, Faraz found the Billy of the Week and sent it to me because he had been on the guy's yacht and sent me a picture of it and was like, "You got to feature this guy." Uh, it's a lot of my ideas don't come from me. Wow, no, that's amazing. Um, I would I would invest in that company. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Uh, um, if, you're, if you're the founder, hit us up. We want to we invest in that. All right. You want to do one more thing or you want to save it? We should save it. This episode is going to be a little crazy. We'll see if it's interesting. Okay. Oh, um, you want to talk about my influencer update? Yeah. 
<laughs> You're like, let's save it. But I want to talk about this. Well, because uh, that's actually not important, so we could hide it at the end. This was actually what I was going to start with because I found this hilarious uh, and awesome. And I wanted to know what you're actually doing because, like, you said it as a joke. So Sam texts the other day. He goes, I think I think you were joking, but you're, like, half serious. No, I was um, not. Maybe you, you were not serious or not joking. I think you, I was serious. I guess you're more serious than joking. <laughs> so to, Sam texts. I'm thinking about stopping trying to be a business influencer and just go to be a fitness influencer. I don't know if my face is good enough, though. <laughs> this is the full text. <laughs> and so then I'm like, okay, just some kind of random funny text. Didn't think much of it. And then you sent me this link to this Reddit post where you're like, my fitness journey. You're like, here I'm at you know, 12% body fat, and here's my photos, and here's what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, shit, he's actually trying to do it. So what is this? What are you doing? So did you see my Instagram thing? The video? Yeah, I saw your video of your yeah. transformation. Yeah, so here's why I think it's cool. Um, I love exercise. I love to work out. And I'm a little bored of just business content. And I look up. So you want to know what I do? We're going to talk about this next episode. But here's what I do late at night. Late at night, I go to Instagram. And I love watching videos of ripped guys stretch. Do you ever watch? Like, <laughs> No, no, I never I, do that. I, I go on. I, I go on. have never done something like that. Dude, there's these guys. This is like getting really popular right now. There's these dudes who they do calisthenics and they're like sitting on like these bars and they like move their legs above their head or they uh, they like do the splits or and they're not like jacked like dudes, but they're like skinny ish, very flexible. And I'm like, this is the way to live life. 100% to be skinny and flexible. And there's just I just in my head, I'm like, they're just stretching all day and filming it. That seems awesome. I can do that. <laughs> And so that's kind of like how I want to live my life right now is I like watch these guys do like the, you know what your thoracic, thoracic spine is. Yes. Like so, your mid-back so like, basically. It's upper back. So because like we sit hunched over, like everyone's got like a hunchback kind of. And so yeah. the thoracic, it, it's like, I think it's really good to stretch. And so I just watch videos of guys stretch their thoracic spine. I love Nick bear. Nick bear was this huge beast of a guy who came on our podcast and he has this like pretty cool business and he just like runs marathon and lifts weights all day. And I see this and I'm like, that sounds awesome. I totally want to do that. Also, additionally, I'm a little, I got a little, once like we sold the company, I got a little depressed because I was like, I live such a soft pussy life. Like I don't have any real threats in my life. I never have to fight. I never have to get like, I never got to go hunt for my food. I never am like afraid of getting eaten by a lion. Like I need some action and adventure. Yeah, I'm too comfortable. And so I was like, this fitness thing seems cool. Like, let's just learn how to box or let's just do something like interesting and just document it. And, I, and I've and i loved it. And so I am not joking. I think I might do this. But when you say might do this, what does that actually mean? You're going to try to literally become a fitness influencer, meaning like you want to be Sam, uh, you know, Sammy Hamstrings, who's got like amazingly amazing ham- hamstring stretches or like what, what do you actually want? What is the goal? I think I could build a large following. I don't, I, I, I besides like, checking like other people's pictures i don't post on instagram at all and for some reason i have like five thousand followers so i think that's a good base i think i could build up this like reputation as this like fitness slash businessy type of guy okay fitness slash business but you're talking specifically about stretching or no any any fitness is fine uh i'm gonna focus on boxing and weightlifting right now because that's what i love but i think stretching is like the way to go yes i like there's so many people <laughs> who google uh, different stretching stuff. Dude, I'm telling you, this this whole mobility movement, it's huge. And how committed are you to this? I mean, I work out constantly. Like, so, no, no, to, like, the, to, the, to the influencer part. I know you're committed to, a, to doing the fitness stuff. 
I haven't decided how uh, committed I am because. Well, what was the reaction to your Reddit and Instagram thing? Because that probably just gave you a bunch of jet fuel of motivation to keep going. Well, the it was good. I mean, the Reddit, the the thing that Reddit was interesting. I just posted on a subreddit called "Guess My Body Fat" and like people. But then I wasn't caring about that when I told you. What I was caring about is that someone said your body fat is probably this. I don't know about Sean Purry's. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Someone like recognizes us. And so, but the Instagram thing that I posted, it got popular. But the thing is, is that I actually think that like getting famous on social media is really cool. And also it will make you very unhappy. And so that's my biggest thing. The biggest thing I'm nervous about is like, do I actually want to spend time on this and go down this like hedonistic, uh, like, uh, you know, dedicating my life to something that maybe isn't actually that cool or important, but it does seem kind of neat. So anyway, that's my rant on becoming a fitness influencer. I think I could do it. I think I'd like have girl next door, like a girl next door body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not like we do. That's so true. It's like not intimidatingly. You're not, you're not, unach- you're not unachievable, but you're also impressive. So it's like, yeah. ah, I, I'm into it, but I feel like with enough work, I too could be there. Yeah, I got like he's just a regular guy. I got girl next door uh, abs. Like you know, like you can do it too, and you have been doing it. By the way, you look great. Well, I'm trying, but I'm 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 far behind where you're at. Yeah, but I had a head start. It would have been fun if, uh, like, when I saw you post that thing, I was like, oh damn, okay. So I've been doing this for one year now. Uh, So I have to do this for a while. Okay, let me see. You know, it sort of put into perspective, like. Actually, the girl, the guy next door thing you said is so true because that's actually the feeling I had, which was I was like, you know, when I look at random people on Instagram that are really ripped, it doesn't do anything for me because I'm like, well, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to be a gorilla. Like, I'm not trying to, like, have 19, you know, 19 abs, but like four, four nice abs. That seems like both achievable and desirable to me. So I actually think you're onto something with this guy next door vibe. That's what I'm saying. It's like everything, every, our podcast, people say, oh, you guys make everything seem so easy and achievable. And I'm like, and, and what do we say? We're like, it kind of is. You got to put in the work, but like, it's not that hard intellectually. Yeah, because we're not that smart, nor are we that successful, nor are we that, nor do we do that much research. So there's, there's a, uh, a, a, a relatability to us. <laughs> That's what I'm we're not saying. smarter than you. We're not that much more successful than you. And we definitely don't do a ton of research on each individual topic. So we're not that much more of an expert than you on any so topic this is my, either. This is my thing. I might just translate that to like <laughs> getting shredded and being fit and like living a long, healthy life. That's why it's interesting to me. Also, the same way that whenever you post stuff, uh, like people send you free shit like that drink company or like, you know, you have, you have yeah. a lot of like people who email you with amazing opportunities. Um, it would be cool to get that for workout related stuff. So that's one of the reasons why I want to do it. Did I show you this? Have I shown you it's, this? It's an ax. I'm holding up an ax for those who are just listening, not on the YouTube oh. channel and it's called chop fit. So this guy sent me this dude. Speaking what the fuck? I don't get shit. I don't get anything, bro. There's a method to the madness. Uh, I think we asked for it or we told him, like, I saw this thing and we messaged him be like, hey, this is awesome. He's like, oh, I'd love to send you one. Uh, it's really but what I do. I basically just have a bunch of DMs that are for products I think are cool. And I just say, yo, ChopFit looks dope. Congrats. You know, like something like that. And they're like, oh, thank you. That's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to try it. <laughs> or, yeah, I'm excited to try it. Oh, and then my God. Like, I just let them fill it in with like, yeah, here you go. Anyway, so he sent me this. I'm looking so at the website. Weighted- it this looks is a amazing. weighted axe. So it's basically Peloton. The reason I'm showing you this, dude, is because isn't this just like a sledgehammer? It's yeah, but it's like more. There's two of these, so you get two of these. 
So you have two of these to work out with, one in each hand. And it's sort of like a Peloton, but like, okay, like I like the idea of Peloton. I like the idea of guided classes, but I'm not into biking. Like I don't love biking. I don't love running on a treadmill. So like I have the aqua bag, boxing bag in my garage because I love hitting the aqua bag. It's like super fun to me. I love um, aqua bags too. So, so, so that's really cool. And then this is the new toy I'm starting to play with, which is like, I like swinging this thing around. There's something that feels fun about this. It feels like I'm about to like kill somebody. And uh, you can get a pretty sick core workout with this thing. And like kind of, it also works the uh, forearms really well too, because you're holding an ax, which is like, Dude, if you've ever seen like a lumberjack, those guys' arms are, their forearms are insane. Do me a favor tonight or tomorrow, whenever you're going to go work out again, just do it shirtless, do it outside in the sun and take a video of you doing this and post it on Twitter. And I promise you, it'll get at least 25,000 views. People are going to like comment to you and it's going to a comment about you. And it's going to feel awesome. You're going to become a fitness influencer too. With, I work out with no shirt every day in the sun every day. It feels what amazing, I don't right? What do is record the whole thing. I take snippets because I'm, I'm go, you're going from fit to really fit. I'm going from fat to fit. And so there's a big difference. You got to strate- you got to be strategic, right? Like, you don't want to just post a before. It's got to be like slightly impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you got be like a montage a... that goes from shitty to like, oh, that's really good. You no, in your case, it's like okay. So I'm storing like, up my ammo for the epic montage. You're like right now. You're like there's like before and way before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I, I'm 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 a good before photo now, but I had a way before that I've been I had been working towards. I'm not after yet. <laughs> So I'm I'm waiting for the after. No, now, maybe I that's a bad that. move. Maybe I should be posting everything, but I think it has a bigger impact if I do the before and after because it should be impressive when you do it. Okay, well, this is the episode where we've just decided we're both going to become fitness influencers. I think you should post <laughs> a, a picture of that. I think it could I don't be want really to be good. a fitness influencer, but I do want uh, to like do it myself. I've never done this. I've never been somebody who's like ripped. Um, so if I you start it, posting, if you start posting, the reason why I, one of the reasons, another reason why I'm doing it is I said out there I, I'm gonna. So right now I weigh 203 pounds, I, and I'm t- probably I'm 12 percent, maybe 14 percent body fat, which is okay. That's pretty good. Um, I said I put it on there. I want to weigh 185 in three months, and a lot of people saw that. And now if I, they see me out there eating like an idiot, they're gonna like confront me and i think that that accountability is actually really good no like 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 my in-laws saw you know saw me and they're like oh we we, you know we're not gonna eat we're not gonna we can't go to this place for dinner anymore uh right you know what i mean like that type of thing yeah that's funny all right uh ben how did we do um this one was weird it was weird but i think people are really gonna like it i think people like weird uh i actually think the uh body influencer stuff was really good Eight, 8.5 out of 10 overall okay, okay. all right i'll nice. take that for a weird what was the we, uh, we have... what was the weakest part um the weakest part might have just been forgettable was um i would say probably the middle talking about like water bottles and Ugh. stuff like that that was interesting but just the weakest the strongest was like the energy audit uh stuff time tracking sleep talk like when you guys work i think that was super strong started super strong ended super strong when talking about your like fitness journeys all right good well let's see how the sam hose water thing was by far my favorite part of the whole episode (laughs) (laughs) is that a real thing people used to call you hose water or that was no but i used (laughs) i was joking but i i used to drink out of a hose a hose like i love hose water you don't drink out of hoses bro dude are you are you considered funny 
Because I find you really, really funny, but you're funny in a surprising way. And I feel like you think you're funny, but almost that other people don't give you credit for being really funny. I think that I'm not that funny, and I think most people don't think I'm funny. Really? Oh, I don't I think like you, th- you know you're funny. I think people, most people do not find my humor to be, I got like a Norm MacDonald humor. <laughs> you either are into it or you're not. Uh, just so everyone has like the background, that, that joke that Sean told of Sam saying, I'm going to own a lake someday, he posted it in Slack and then like badgered us like five times afterwards. Yeah. He was like, did you guys see that? Did you laugh at my joke? Was it a good joke? Anybody read that? It was pretty good, I thought. <laughs> Fuck. And then, and then we were like, yeah, it was good. And then, then Ben comes in, he's like, Sean, it was really funny when you said this thing. And Sam was like, what the hell, dude? My leg joke was way better than that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this, this makes our life sound cooler than it really is. Future owner of the Lakers, future owner of a lake. All right, we're out of here. <laughs>